0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. So we'll continue reading from Srila Jeeva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We're in the section, in the part of the Paramatma Sandarbha. I keep saying section, but section is what Anucheta means. So every individual part that we discuss is an Anucheda, meaning that Srila Jiva Goswami wants to convey to us some specific philosophical point or for some point of tattva. So we're discussing the nature, the intrinsic nature of the jiva. We're doing this as Jiva Goswami has presented it, according to a verse by Jamatri Muni. Uh, We're on the fifth quality. The jiva is not mere consciousness. So far we've gone over that the jiva is not a god, a human or any other species of life. The jiva is distinct from the body, senses, and so on. The jiva is not inert, and the jiva is not mutable. So now we're at the jiva is not mere consciousness. As the primary evidence in this discussion here, uh, in this 22nd anucheda. Uh, Jiva Goswami presents a verse from the 11th Canto, which we read last time. We'll just review it. Because it is a witness of the variable states, childhood, youth, and so on, of the transient material body, this Atma is without birth, growth, decay, or death. Although the Atma is exclusively of the nature of consciousness, present everywhere, eternal and invariable, it appears to assume various forms under the influence of sense perception and cognition, just as the vital force, prana, within the body, although one appears, if many, in contact with the various senses. We look to this verse and we, we say that simply the fact that we can observe Variable states of our own existence within a material body. That, in and of itself, should give us some evidence to the fact that we're not that body. We're seeing ourselves changing. Jamatri Muni is instructing the king, Nimi, well, if you could observe these changes, you should know that there's something different from you going on here. It's an evidence in itself. And then as another additional Praman verse or evidentiary verse in this Anucheta, Jiva Goswami quotes from Kapila's teaching to his mother. Upon seeing Prakriti create through her gunas varieties of progeny with forms corresponding to those gunas, He, the self, existing in this world, becomes immediately bewildered by Prakriti's power to conceal consciousness. Now, this idea that the jiva is not mere consciousness is going to be pretty deeply uh, discussed. In fact, uh, this is going to go up through... This is going to go up through the 26th Anucheta. So it's where we are now, this Anucheta, and then all the way up to 26. He's going to really bring out these points. And all of his evidence is going to be based upon verses from the Bhagavatam. So he does it quite nicely. But we're going to start this evening where we left off in the discussion of the commentary which deals with the nature of knowledge related to this consciousness. The consciousness is it's not, we're saying here that the the jiva has some capacity. So the capacity that's first discussed is as its own swarup shakti. It has its own, the jiva has shakti. Krishna also has swarup shakti. But we are the Jiva also has a little fragmental Swarup Shakti. Um, and part of that capacity is jhana shakti, a capacity to have awareness of knowledge. So to understand fully this capacity, the commentator gets into some in-depth Presentation of what do we mean when we say gyan or knowledge? What what does that mean, knowledge? So there's three types. I'll just read what he said here. The word gyan is commonly translated as knowledge, but that is not the only meaning it carries. It would be helpful, especially. In this context, to understand its various meanings, the word "gyan" is derived from the verbal word, verbal root "gya," meaning to know. By applying the "lut" suffix, one can derive three senses by applying "lut." This is a, these are Sanskrit terms that he's using here. But what are those three? When you apply this particular suffix, LUT, there's three applications. There's verbal activity, there's instrumentality, and there's substratum. Again, Sanskrit definitions of of what this suffix means. But in the context of what's being presented, so we have Jnana, so gyan, it's, it's, there's two parts, there's gya and there's the, the suffix that's added to it, which also can be applied in three different ways. So when we look to knowledge, what are those applications? That's really what's coming out here. And it's nice to have a little background, although, I mean, I probably won't be a Sanskrit scholar this life, uh, but... Uh, it's nice to know how, how sophisticated Sanskrit is. So in this context, back to that, jana, yanam, yan, has the first meaning. Knowledge is understanding, awareness, experience, knowing, or consciousness. Yan, in this sense, is awareness only, devoid of content. The suffix can be applied in different ways. There is a suffix on the word gyan, and there's three different meanings to that particular suffix and how it's applied. But when we talked of knowledge, three different meanings can come out because of the way the suffix could be used. So the first one is, knowledge is merely awareness. I think, therefore I am. I think. Anyway, it's a line from an old song from the Moody Blues in one of the dialogues. the threshold of a dream. But I think. I think I am. Well, I must be. So the same, the same thing is here. The first definition of knowledge is awareness only i'm aware that's knowledge the second meaning of knowledge or gyan knowledge as that by which an object is known so first is knowledge in the sense that i'm aware of things now if i the other the next one is there's things to be aware of, but it's disconnected from knowing that you are the observer, but observing is also a kind of knowledge. So, in this sense, refers to the content of knowledge, which is disclosed to a knowable subject. So, we can have awareness of something. So, Something is this or something is that. The first is, awareness itself is knowledge. That's That would be one way of saying, knowledge is awareness. The other would be, I'm aware of something, I have knowledge of it. Now the third one, knowledge as that is which knowing adheres. This refers to the subject that knows or cognizes an object. Knowledge in this sense implies a subject that possesses content knowledge, or the one who cognition, the one in who cognition resides. The first two are combined in the third. The third is I'm aware. And I have the ability to be aware of things beyond, so therefore it's, it's a synthesis of the two. It's kind of, it may seem a little hard to understand, but if you really think about it, it's pretty simple. Knowledge, I'm aware, so that means I have knowledge, I'm aware or I can perceive I'm perceiving I am perceiving something I have knowledge of it well I'm a knowing observer is your is your third definition I am a knowing observer why is this important why is important why is this depth of defense Finding knowledge significant. Well, this is going to be brought out next, and you'll find it interesting. So, Advaitavad, okay, the, the Brahmavadis or the Advaitins accept only the first meaning of Gyan in relation to the self. Now, think about that. They only accept the first meaning. According to them, the true nature of the self is contentless, Awareness, the true con- nature of the self, because what's the content that there that the self can be aware of? It's an illusion. It doesn't really exist. It's ignorance. So being aware of ignorance is not really knowledge. So that's where they stop the definition of. Consciousness to them doesn't go as deep as it does for the Vaishnava. Now this will come out a little bit more. Which reveals the subject alone without any object. The Bhagavatam's view of consciousness, conscious nature of Bhagavan specifies, specified as Advaya Jnana, Vedanti Tatvavidas, Tatvam, what is it? Now I'm forgetting the verse. Okay. Tatvam Janam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti sabjate. So this Yanam advayam is what we're talking about. There's three ways of looking at the self according to the way you approach transcendent subject matter. Vedanti tat, tatva vidas. Different, way, different people, transcendentalists, look at the truth in different ways. What are they looking at? They're looking at the same thing. Right? They're looking at Advaya Gyan. And what do they see? Some see Parama, some see brahman some see paramatma and some see bhagavan so we're talking about the advaita when they think of consciousness their awareness what consciousness the point to which consciousness can go for them is contentless awareness anything else that you're awareness aware of means that you're not in a realized state of consciousness, because in a realized state of consciousness, it's all one. We're all. It's all the same. You are the same. It's only when you're covered by ignorance that you see distinctions. So if we will look at the Bhagavatam's view of the conscious nature of Bhagavan, specified as Advaya Jnana, one of the. Concept is Brahmaiti, Paramatmaiti, Bhagavaniti, so Bhagavan, and that of the individual self correspond to the third definition of gyan, since cognition inheres in both of them as a natural and innate feature of their being. I think, why is this so important that we are. We, our consciousness and our awareness, can extend beyond us to another. That's Vaishnavism. If we don't accept that we can be conscious of another, then what's the question of bhakti? There is no, there is no question of having bhakti if there is no other. Mm-hmm. So the whole Advait and Vod conception of consciousness and conception of knowledge falls short of the, capac- the, the capacity to enter into the practice of bhakti, because there's nothing to there's nothing out there except what you already are. You're all part of the you are the brahman. The distinctions that you experience are only distinctions that are imposed by ignorance in relationship to misconceptions of what you are not. But once you've reached realization, what are you? You are Brahman. You're Narayan, I'm Narayan, we're all Narayan. This condition also entails the existence in them of knowledge as an instrument of cognitive, Nizing objects, the second definition stated. So, on this view, knowledge as an instrument is operative in the form of mental states, jnana vritti, whereas knowledge as the substratum, or that in which knowledge knowing inheres, refers to what Sri Jiva Goswami means by jnana swarup the subject's innate capacity for knowledge its capacity or qualitative potential to apprehend he writes very scientifically the presentation thus in his view in jiva's view is saying the third meaning of gyan refers to the essential nature of the self we are aware we have knowledge and There's something out there to be aware of. Whereas the second meaning indicates its quality, guna, which manifests when the self is conjoined to the body-mind complex. In other words, the only time that there's consciousness is when there's there's something out there to be aware of in the sense of being within the modes of material nature or conditioned we are using the word guna quality loosely here the relation between the self and its gyanavritti is similar to that of a magnet and the movement it induces in our shavings and now in the the commentator is getting into a little bit of a discussion as well just understand the philosophy here of having knowledge in relationship to the material energy you're not there's no real connection between you and the perceptive objects that are there. They're a they're they are a false imposition on the mind in the conditioned state. They're a true imposition on the spiritualized mind when you see them spiritually. And how do we see them spiritually? Well, they're they're all Krishna. Everything's Krishna. If you're seeing everything as Krishna or Krishna's energy, then you're seeing Krishna then your knowledge is true. Then you what you are what you're perceiving is is not a false imposition or a vritti on on gyn, a jnana vritti, as it is when you're simply seeing things as separate from their spiritual existence in relationship to the Supreme. So then it's an imposition on the mind. So again, it's these subtleties of thinking that allow us to gradually develop the fine discrimination to perceive everything properly that we experience now we're seeing things as separate from krishna we're seeing ourselves as separate from krishna we're thinking independently of krishna we're not thinking i'm part of krishna i am his eternal servant and i'm that's that's what i am i am a servant that's that's my existence there's nothing outside of that which I am. And there's nothing outside of that that I perceive. Everything I perceive here is Krishna's energy and it's all serving Krishna. Now what if we could see like that? Then there's no false imposition on the mind or what's being referred to here as jnana vritti, a mental state created by knowledge that's not based on reality. This is an extensive commentary here because he really wants us to understand this. So in summary, of course it's a long summary. In summary, when Advaitavadis use the word jnana swarup, they have in mind the first meaning of gyan. Whereas Jiva Goswami has in his mind the third meaning. From the point of view of linguistic interpretation, one might say that the fundamental difference in ideology between Sri Jiva Goswami and Advaita Vad is in the application of the affix Lut. For Jiva, for Sri Jiva, knowledge thus belongs to a subject, and it is content-filled, meaning that it has reference to an object. Knowledge in the second sense of mental states, jnana however, is, is simply a fluctuation of psychic matter, or in other words, the inner fun- function- functioning of mind-matter occurring in the embodied state. In the main verse of this anucheda, Bhagavan Kapila uses the phrase vilokya muhi upon seeing the jiva is bewildered and Jnana Guhaya by that which conceals self awareness. Now this is really going to be unpacked going forward in the Anuchetas, is how how to how to understand that the Jiva has inherent qualities that are not manifest in relation, when they're they're not manifest, although they are inherent. And they're not manifest anadi, so, it's kind of like, well, you know, when the jiva's in maya, there's, there's no knowledge of bliss. There's no perception of that. So, you would say, well, it's an imposition because it doesn't exist. Jiva, in these future anaschetas, as we go through this, is going to say, no, the potentiality is there. It's just not manifest. So you can't, this quality, some of these qualities of the jiva are covered over by the Lord's maya shakti. How is that possible that you can speak of inherency in relationship to qualities in one breath and then the next breath say but they're never manifest until there's the self-awareness that comes about by transcendent transcendence. Even you think about it, the inherent qualities, even on the material plane, the cities that the yogis attain, these cities are all in relationship to the material energy. They're not manifest. They're they're lying they're lying dormant until there is some specific Right now, you could say that that's there for for other things within the material realm because you have you know the plant life, the animal life, the aquatics, fish, like that, and they they don't have the same qualities. But sometimes they have they have specific sensual qualities that exceed those that are available in the human life. These phrases indicate that the jiva has the innate capacity to know, since it would be impossible to cover this capacity if it did not priorly exist. If it wasn't already there. Matter is inert, whereas the jiva is conscious by its very nature. But in the conditioned state, even while the jiva's intrinsic capacity to know things in general is present... It does not extend to the point of true self knowledge or unmediated awareness of God. Such transcendental knowledge in potentia, we have the potential, is covered by ignorance, which, while the jiva's cognitive capacity is limited to knowing the phenomena that we experience, be they external objects or internal perceptions or feelings. In Bhagavad Gita, Sri Krishna says that the jnana of the jiva is covered by agyan, and thus the jiva is bewildered. This is in the, uh, the fifth chapter of the Gita. The omnipresent God does not become implicated in the sin or piety of anyone. The living being, however, is deluded due to the fact that their discernment is covered by ignorance. Means that the jivas inherit cognitive cognitive potency to know things as they are. So basically what's being said here is the full awareness, the full utilization of our capacity to know is... Has to, we need to have a catalyst in order to to be able to fully use utilize our own capacities. Without that, they are there, but they are unmanifest. So this is going to be played out. Well, how how is that exactly? How do we how do we How do we reconcile that with the concept of being part of your capacity? It's innate. So an objection can be raised here. How can the jiva's inherent cognitive potency be covered? How can it be covered? Even if it is covered, it cannot be lost to the self. Otherwise, there is no sense in calling it a natural or inherent power. In response, one can say that if sugar is mixed with mud, these are some analogies to give us an idea, if sugar is mixed with mud, it will not taste sweet. Still, this does not mean that the sugar has lost its sweetness. If sugar were a conscious being, imagine, if sugar were a conscious being, it would still know itself to be sweet Although mixed with mud. If we were fully conscious of our what we are, this around us wouldn't be able to muddy the waters of our the realis, reality of our spiritual existence. Now this plays out specifically in relationship to the ananda capacity. We have Satchit Ananda. But in material existence, the Ananda's turn to mud. I mean, think about it. We don't perceive it. But if we knew it, if we really know what we are, then that, that is going to give us a sense. We're gradually going to come to the full recognition of the sweetness of our existence. He gives another example. Another example if is that of a light bulb. If a light bulb is covered by an opaque screen, the bulb will not have lost its luminosity, even if very little light can be seen. So it can be perceived there's still some light there. It hasn't lost its luminosity just because it's covered with some opaque screen. If it were a conscious being, if the light bulb were conscious, again, it would know itself to be as luminous as it is without being covered. The covering of the bulb alters only the perception of external perceivers. Similarly, if the jiva <coughs> is naturally endowed with knowledge, yon, or awareness, then even if it is covered by ignorance, it cannot become ignorant of itself, as a knowing or conscious being. Moreover, ignorance is like darkness, and yon knowledge is like light. Since darkness has no power to cover light, how can ignorance veil awareness? But our awareness of yon is covered. We'll get into that. Yes, I mean if you look. Even, just to go there for a little bit, even independent of the infusion of Swarup Shakti that's re- requisite for having transcendent knowledge, set that aside and look at somebody like a Sukadev Goswami prior to hearing the Bhagavatam verses that changed him. He was a Brahmavati and he was considered what? A Jivanmukta. Because he had no connection with the ignorance of Maya, he had transcended that. He He was liberated. That liberation allows one to experience their true nature, which is eternity, knowledge, and bliss. Look to the Kamaras. The Kamaras, they they were not influenced by the material energy. That doesn't mean that there's still, there's something, you know, there's not something beyond Satchitanananda. There's what we know as Satchitanananda on steroids. We call that the Lord Swarup Shakti, condensed Brahman. The Brahman becomes a person, and his qualities, I mean, imagine... It's another way to look at Vermont, if you look at the great expanse of Vermont, which pervades everything, how glorious is just the Grand Canyon, the beauty of the Grand Canyon, or the beauty of the oceans, or Hawaii, just imagine all the beauty on the face of one little planet, Earth, and extend that out through a universe, and extend that out through all the universes, and all the personalities, and the very variety of bodies, extend that out, you know, to the full periphery of of the Lord's energies, both spiritual and material. And the Brahman pervades all that. Now imagine compressing all that beauty, knowledge, strength, Mm. wisdom into one little person, medium-sized. That's Krishna. (laughs) So if you look at it, that's Also another way to look, that you can put Brahman in relationship to Krishna and have a perception of what's involved when they say you just can't get enough of him. Imagine seeing everything at once. That's Krishna. In response, it is said that this covering is possible because of the inconceivable power of Maya. This covering of what we are is possible by the inconceivable, a shakti. We can't figure it out. How does maya work? And we're going to go into some verses from the Bhagavatam that are going to explain, yeah, this is what covers the jiva. And it's, it's there repeatedly at the Bhagavatam, but we take somebody who has, you know, the capacity that a jiva Goswami has, to pull these verses out and put them in the context of the tattva, of the nature of our very being. And you realize it's all there in the Bhagavatam. All this is there in the Bhagavatam. How do we we milk it? How do we milk the Bhagavatam for this depth of knowledge? Well, we take and we follow somebody like Jiva Goswami and we learn, well, this is the way to think scripturally, look at these different leelas that are presented in the Bhagavatam. This has been said to you again and again. Did you get it? Well, here, let me show you, and that's that's what's going to come out here. Or the extrinsic potency, bahiranga, of Bhagavan, and that this covering has no beginning. Therefore, while come commenting on the above-mentioned Gita-verse, where Krishna says the jiva is, is covered, Sribaladeva Vidyabhushan writes that ignorance, a jnan, is a naughty, beginningless, and it assumes the form of directing attention away from the absolute, vimukya. The covering of consciousness means that the awareness, jnan, of the jiva though eternal, Nitya becomes unmanifest. In other words, in the conditioned state the Jiva lacks inherent awareness of its own Swarup, of Bhagavan and of their relation. This lack of awareness has no beginning, but it can come to an end when the self is surrendered to Bhagavan. This beginningless lacuna of knowledge is called the covering of knowledge by ignorance the phrase the covering of knowledge gyana avritam should not be taken in the literal sense of concealing self knowledge or god knowledge that was originally present prior to the covering now we get into let's let's look a little deeply at that all right we shouldn't look at it in, in the wrong sense. Let's look at it in the right sense. The, the, the phrase, the covering of knowledge, yanam avritam, should not be taken in the literal sense of concealing self-knowledge or God-knowledge that was originally present prior to the covering. It shouldn't be taken that way. Rather, because this covering is beginningless, Covering's always been there. It refers instead to the as yet unbroken continuity of the absence of such truth knowing. One may accordingly ask, then why not simply admit that the jiva is devoid of self-awareness? You've always been covered, so why don't we just admit it? If, however, it were stated as such that we were just we're covered, we don't have full we don't have full awareness. we don't have that capacity. It's not that our consciousness doesn't go that far. But no, you can't. You don't look at it that way. Jiva, they're saying. Jiva's saying here. If, however, it were stated as such, the doubt would remain whether the jiva could acquire intrinsic self-knowing at all. Again, as we said, put aside this, the Lord's internal Swarup Shakti, and look to the fact that there are some among us. They're very few. Krishna points out in the Bhagavad Gita they're few and far between, those people that are self-aware, the jnanis. Four kind of people approach me. But you know, the jnani, the one that has true knowledge, is very rare. Uh, if, if, however, it were stated as such, the doubt would remain whether the jiva could acquire intrinsic self-knowledge at all. If it could acquire self-knowing, then this capacity, being newly generated, would become an incidental quality, be something that would be imposed upon the jiva. It wouldn't be an inherent ability of the jiva because it is conscious and because its consciousness and the nature of its knowing is contentable. That's what jiva says. Look at we, as Vaishnavs. There has to be something to know, and we have not only knowledge, we have something that's knowable, now it's the field of action, the Kshetra our field of vision, but there's more beyond that. If it could acquire self-knowing, then that capacity being newly generated would become an incidental quality. We understand that, right? This is unacceptable. As it contradicts scriptural statements that affirm that the Atma is conscious by nature. So we, how do we reconcile that? If, on the other hand, the Jiva could not acquire self-awareness, then it would be reduced to an inert object. Then we go back to the nyaya conceptions that awareness only comes about when there's a certain combination of matter that coalesces into a, a body and then the consciousness comes about. And if you take the body away and you take the circumstance away, the consciousness again... Dissipates into nothingness. That's their logic. So, if we couldn't become self aware, we'd just be like matter, is what's being said here, as is postulated by the Nyayikas, the, the logicians. For this reason, the word covering is used, which implies that the jiva is, jiva is conscious by nature. Therefore, Sri Jiva Goswami writes in Bhakti Sandarbha. The following. So he's going forward a little bit to the Bhakti Sandharva, the first Anucheta there, when we're talking about Bhakti. Although purely conscious by nature, the Jiva's knowledge of its own intrinsic nature is covered by Bhagavan's extrinsic potency, Maya, because she finds the Jiva in the Jiva the defect of defect of obliviousness to him in the form of beginningless ignorance of the absolute reality. Krishna's Shakti, Maya, also is conscious. And that Shakti of the Lord, Maya Shakti, observes in the Jivas, within the external energy, that they're unappreciative of Krishna. Their consciousness is not aware What's the wording that Jiva uses specifically? Because she finds in the Jiva the defect of obliviousness. Oblivious, just completely unaware of God. Well, then maybe you don't need the full capacity of self-awareness because to tell you the truth you can't be self-aware without being knowledgeable of god not oblivious to his existence so therefore well let's you're covered that's how the lord shakti is seeing things you're oblivious to god so therefore well then i'm not you're not i'm going to cover up your full capacity because to tell you the truth the self-awareness that you could have is no self-awareness of all at all unless it is about the supreme. Well, where does the obliviousness come from? It's a naughty. That's well, that's going to come out in the future. And a Why is it a naughty? Because it is. So then, it's no fault of the jiva. There is no fault of the jiva. So then, why is she like? Oh well, you're oblivious, so therefore I'm going to cover you. <laughs> but the, but Krishna's in the background and he wants to uh, uh, remove that obliviousness and therefore his Bhakti Shakti also is available within the manifestation. There's there's different shaktis; they have different duties to perform. Maya Shakti's duty is not Bhakti Shakti's duty. We're caught in the middle. We're tattasta. We can go either way. There's a ping pong ball. That's fine. Once you're happy to be a ping pong ball in God's play, then your self awareness is there and you're you're going to experience your full blissful nature. Even when you're being battered around. Mm -hmm. That the jiva is intrinsically endowed with the power of knowing is a crucial principle of Vaishnava theology. It's a it's a critical point in understanding that we can attain self realization. We can become self aware. That's intrinsic in in this in our Vaishnav theology. It's if you want to get back to the wise and wealth you know wherefores of how God comes, you know, it's always been this way, it's part, he has a Shakti as Paramatma, which manifests the Jivatmas, they were always there, anyway, it it comes out interestingly in the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the section where Hari, Haridas Thakur is discussing with Lord Chaitanya. Lord Chaitanya is lamenting. How can I liberate everybody? And actually at one point, Haridas Thakur is now schooling Lord Chaitanya on the fact, well, you your Sankirtan movement is completely successful. You have liberated everybody. You did fulfill the desire of Vasudev. And Lord Chaitanya was very pleased internally to hear that. He knew that, that, wow, Haridas really gets me. And then then Krishna Das goes on to say, and they never discuss this again. In other words, it's this kind of internal dialogue with his most intimate devotees where these truths about you know, the Supreme come out. And where, you know, atheists, <laughs> you know, it's 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 there, everything that's happening, but a lot of it is, is very secret. It's Guyam. Guyam. It's hidden. More broadly, it is one of the major points of contention between the theistic Vedantist and non-theistic Vedantist. Therefore, Shijiva continues to stress it in the next three sections, or Anuchedas. Any questions? It's exciting. (laughs) I guess I just get overwhelmed sometimes. I think more by some of the terminology... That Jiva Goswami uses—it's just so. What does that mean? We we already know from reading and from studying. From I mean, Prabhupada has put all this phil, deep philosophy into his Bhaktivedanta Purports in a way that's digestible. That said, still to go deeper into the Goswami's teachings to see where he got it—it it deepens our appreciation from what he did that we, you know, like Deva Hoodie's there, and she's saying, I, I know all this, we've already heard all this, in in a form from Prabhupada that was digestible. But now we get the background and we read the Bhakti Rasa Sindhu as it was originally presented with Jiva Goswami's commentary and Vishwanath Chakravarti's commentary. I mean, these are significant writers, significant contributors the fact that we were spoon-fed, it just makes us feel so good. We're so well-nourished that look at where we are now. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't go on with a deeper entry into all these subject matters because that's just going to enrich the meal that much more. I not have to be offensive, but it's kind of like, you know, cliff notes. And now you're actually going to the, reading the actual books. And then the cliff notes become full. and you know, cause it you're, of... you're further unpacking what's already yeah. there. Yeah. It's like you there's you can unlimitedly unpack this knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we there, you could say, Prabhupada even say, what did he say of his nectar of devotion? A summary study mm-hmm. on the Bhakti-rasamrita-sindhu. It's a summary. It's enough to get you into what the philosophy there. Anyway, I'll stop there. Thank you so much for your association.